Hello and welcome to Luminous Music, the podcast where we explore the works of modern day composers and speculate wildly. This week we will be continuing our discussion of The Last Jedi soundtrack composed by the legendary John Williams. Let's get started. If you've listened to our podcast before, welcome back. We're glad we didn't scare you off. (laughs) Uh, If this is your first time listening to the podcast, we're so happy you're here, and uh, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Corinne. I have a music degree. I've been a cellist and a singer for 20 years, and I'm married to this cute hunk next to me, my co-host... Matt. Hi. I am married to Corinne. I also have a degree in music, but it's music business, so uh, it's it's a little bit different, but it did focus on some theories, so I can try and keep up. <laughs> we're all going to try and keep up. Um, so today we're going to start our deep dive into each individual track of the release soundtrack for Star Wars The Last Jedi, uh, focusing today on the first track uh, titled Main Theme and Escape. There will be spoilers, uh, and if you haven't listened to our earlier episodes, I recommend listening to those to get your bearings, since this episode's going to be a little more technical than the last two. Um, I'm going to talk about like musical intervals, how they're used to make us feel a specific way. I want to talk about instrumentation, I want to talk about you know voice leading, all that good stuff, and if you don't know what any of that means, I promise I'll walk you through everything, and if I don't do a good enough job, feel free to email me and tell me. Uh, what you did not understand, I'd be happy to clarify. And I'll probably slow her down throughout to be like, wait, what are you... I don't know that word. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. So, so hopefully um, hopefully we remember to do that. Because <clears throat> sometimes I just get carried away. It's not my fault. So let's start by talking about, the, obviously, the main theme. So Star Wars main theme is one of the most, if not the most, iconic piece of music to be written in the century. Everyone has heard it. Everyone knows what it is immediately. It makes you feel excited. You know, gets the people going. going. Gets the people going. It's heroic. So let's listen to it to start off, just part of it, and we're going to start analyzing it. Okay, so, pretty iconic, everyone knows it. You hear it uh, at grocery stores, you hear it at Disneyland. Oh, it's in commercials, you hear it at football games, (laughs) the band plays it, I mean, it's all over the place. Every band in every high school has ever learned how to play it. When I taught high school band, we played this, and it was the best thing we played. (laughs) But that's less surprising, because you were the one teaching it. Well, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) It wasn't a coincidence, I suppose. Okay, so, uh, that's the the main theme, that's what we're talking about here first. Now, that was heavily influenced by, um, you know, music from uh, film scores in the 30s, 40s, 50s. It's like this big, sweeping, romantic movie score feel um, from basically our fathers of film music. Um, and the way, the reason that it is that way is because um, when George Lucas is putting this together, he's like, you know what I want? I don't want this hokey music of the 70s. I wanted to have this romantic, sweeping movie score feel just like, you know, Steiner and Korngold and all those guys. So um, he used temp tracks from that era 
and gave them to John Williams and said, this is what I want. <laughs> and John Williams delivered. That's exactly what it is. It uses the same orchestration. Um, and uh, I actually have a few examples of temp tracks that um, were either confirmed to be used or I believe were used for this. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the temp track. So if you don't know what a temp track is, so you're a director, you're making a film and you don't have the music yet, but you know, it's going to be an important part of how your movie feels. So you've got some footage and you're like, you know what, I'm going to put in some temporary music here that has the general vibe of what I want. So that when your composer, you know, is like, Hey, what do you want for this movie? You can say something similar to this. Um, because you know, you know exactly what you want as a director. So, um, that's exactly what George Lucas did is he took temp tracks, um, things that already existed from, you know, composers and he put them to the movie and he showed it to John Williams and said, Hey, can you please give me this feeling? And in that first movie and every subsequent movie after it, it was the final cut. John Williams sees the movie with the demo track music on it and he creates his score over top it. And that's, that's it. That's like the final, final step. And breaking away from that, uh, it looks like from some of the research that we've done and our researcher has done, uh, that this time Ryan Johnson really wanted to edit with John Williams music. So he looks, it sounds like he used, uh, John Williams music as the temp track in an uh, unfinished, unedited version that John Williams then scored and Ryan Johnson cut around it, which is a great departure from every other Star Wars movie to date. Yeah, and you know, that's funny. Did you read that article that was like, <laughs> um, the director of Last Jedi embarrasses himself in front of John Williams? No, is it an Onion article? <laughs> no, no. What happened was they were sitting down watching like a cut of the movie with mm -hmm. John Williams' music as the temp track, and, and Ryan leans over to John Williams and says, we'll do something different here. It's like the main theme. We'll do something different here. I don't know what. <laughs> and it was a joke, but then he didn't get a chance to explain it was a joke like oh no <laughs> so was, john's like, probably so worried like no <laughs> he's like can't. no it has to be exactly the <laughs> anyway same. i just thought that was so funny because it's a really <laughs> funny joke but if you don't get it like if you're you know john williams working with a new director and mm -hmm. he's like yeah we'll change this he's like no you're not gonna change a thing <laughs> <laughs> you young rap scallion <laughs> anyway it's funny so let's talk about the temp trap music that was used so the temp track that has been said to be used for this main theme is the ivanhoe overture and that's by Rosa. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Rosa? I like Rosa. Rosa, Rosa. Miklos Rosa. Um, tell us in the comments. Yeah, you know, tell me how wrong I'm saying it. Um, so this is the Ivanhoe Overture, and this is what has been said to be used as the temp track for the main theme. Okay, so you get the idea. It's it's really it's very similar. It's very sweeping. It's very heroic. But um, but uh, you know, it's just it's definitely fun. makes me feel the same way. Sure, yeah. It's like oh, we're going on an adventure. It's mm -hmm. very adventurous. Um, but I think, <laughs> um, I I I'm not saying that that wasn't used as the temp track. I'm sure that there were multiple temp tracks where he's like, here, do this and this and this. But this one 
there's no way I, I guess I'll speculate wildly here <laughs> there's no way this wasn't used as a temp track for this because of how similar it is so let me show you this one this one is King's Row um, and this is by Korngold um, for the movie King's Row get the idea it's <laughs> it's extremely similar yeah <clears throat> yeah obviously i mean almost the the exact same notes or you're gonna you're about to tell me it's the exact same notes and and the b side of that it doesn't have as much to do with the star wars but it, it's just that that feeling that every 20s movie has it's like this wave of strings back and forth but man that first part right i mean it's almost exactly the melody but what's nice about it is i feel like if i had to guess if i had to speculate wildly that was me if you can tell oh nice that's good um i would say that he uses that he used both of these as the temp track and he said hey can you make king's row feel like the ivanhoe overture because ivanhoe overture is a lot more adventurous sounding king's row sounds really romantic so he really just takes like the two of them and mixes them and basically comes up with this main theme and then you know there there are a lot of people who are like, he's a thief, he did this, he did that, blah, 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 blah. Morally bankrupt. People who say that do not understand how temp tracks work, especially on, like, your first movie with a new director. And if you guys don't know George Lucas, he's a man who has a very specific vision, and he's not really... He doesn't give a lot of leeway for that vision. So I, I'd i imagine that he got this in his head of like, I really like King's Row. I want it to sound a lot like this. And John Williams is like, hey, you know, I'm sure we could, you know, do something similar. And he's like, oh, well, I want it to be basically exactly like this. Right. He turned in something <laughs> that was sort of similar. And George Lucas was like, that's just not enough. Right. That's sure. That's us speculating. So, you know, it, it's it's really it's still very different. And it's not the same feeling at all, but it uses a lot of the same uh, notes and motifs that, but you know, it's, but it's used in a different way. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's the, that's some of the temp music that I believe was used. Um, so when you're listening to that main theme, how would you describe it? If you had to use like three adjectives to describe just the main theme, and like how it is making you feel like what what would you what would you use i would say i heard you say adventurous earlier or we're going on an adventure adventurous is a big one um excited mm-hmm. i get i get a little giddy get a little shivers but that might just be because it's star wars uh but excited and um uh bravery maybe heroic heroic that's the word i would use to to describe it most i'd say would be heroic so let's get into the music theory of how john williams is able to accomplish this feeling of um heroic bravery and adventure through uh, music so um obviously instrumentation we've talked a little bit about this but anytime you're using brass 
Brass is super heroic. In fact, I'm going to be showing you some um, examples later of similar music that has the same feel, and the brass is used in both of the examples I'm going to show you, because there's just something about brass that makes it feel heroic. Some of that could be that it harkens back to the fact that brass is used in, like, war, like, for fanfares, things like that, mm -hmm. for, you know, your bugle calls. Uh, sorry, bugle, bugle calls. Bugle calls. Um, and the same with drums. Drums make you feel very, like, it's like a call to action because they've been used in war mm, so it's often. Very tribal. Sure. So like if you're if you're talking like heroic stuff, we're talking brass, we're talking drums. And that's, you know, what we've got here. Now, he also uses these like flowing strings and that comes from obviously harkening back to those like sweeping film scores and making it kind of bringing like a romance to it. So it's like an adventure, it's heroic, it's romantic, it's all of that. So I'm going to talk to you guys about uh intervals. So, if you don't know what an interval is, it is, so if we're, we're talking, I'm going to use my keyboard now. Hey, we have a keyboard. <laughs> um, we have upgraded in the last sure. two weeks. So, if we're talking about a note, a note is a single pitch. Okay, so that's just a single pitch. Now, if you're going to do um, one pitch to another, the distance between them is called an interval. So let's say a C to an E, which is a, a major third. Okay, so that's a major third because of the distance between them, but it's also, if played together, also called an interval because it's a two note chord and you can't really have a chord until it's three notes. So if I were to play C, E, and G. Baby, you got a major chord going. That's a chord. <laughs> you got a major chord. Uh, so that's a chord, is three notes or more. An interval is two notes. And interval also means the distance between the two. So uh, you could say, oh, that's a minor third interval or a major third interval or whatever. So there are five possible interval qualities. Now, a quality, the qualities that you can have are um, major, like I just showed you. So uh, it's pleasing to the ear. Mm. Now, you know, the Sounds other. Like Mary had a little lamb. Sure. And then you've also got minor. Which is that sad? The lamb just ate Mary. <laughs> sure. Oh my god. <laughs> so you've got major, you've got minor. Now there are a few that are perfect, and the perfect ones are a perfect fourth. So here comes the bride. Anyway, perfect fourth, perfect fifth. Okay, that's a perfect fifth. And of course, our octave, which is just the same note but one octave up. So, um, so that's like Mary married the goat, the sheep. Oh my gosh, there's a lot going on here. In and this then the perfect fifth kind of sounded like Mary is like like dancing maybe after with the sheep, and then sure. the perfect eighth is like they become one. Oh man, that's just <laughs> just just cut that this out. This is messed up. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> those are like the usual ones that you'll hear that are pretty basic. You've got your major, you've got your minor, you've got your perfects. And then, of course, you have your augmented and diminished ones. Now, these are the ones that'll make it sound uh, unstable or um, not as pleasing to the ear, unless you're me and you love atonal music. But um, so like an augmented <laughs> would be like a C to an F sharp, for instance, would be an augmented fourth. So sounds, this sounds terrible. It does not. It sounds wonderful. But 
I, I, I see what you're saying. And that's been proven that if you hear that, you're like, ooh, something's up. That means that uh, Mary is wearing the lamb's skin. Sure. Ugh. Okay. And then the other one is diminished. So that was augmented. And then we have diminished. So like a diminished, um, let's say, which diminished one do I want to do? Let's do a diminished seventh. So a seventh normally is this. So we've got a C to a B, which also isn't great. But you can also have a diminished seventh, which would be uh, an A to, uh, sorry, a C to a B flat. So those, basically anything that's not a major third, uh, a minor third, it's, it's still a little dissonant. But it's still pleasing to the ear. You've got your the perfect fourths and fifths and octaves. Our sixths are pretty good. It feels like it needs to those go are, somewhere. But those but are it major. It's a that's a major six. So anything that's major, so a major six, major third, even a major second. So like a major second just be C to D. As opposed to a minor second, which would be C to C sharp. Yeah, but whenever it's that close, it always feels to me like it needs to be resolved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those are those are the intervals. Those are the kind of intervals. Now, um, you don't need to remember all of that. The main ones we're going to be talking today about are the perfect ones. Because if you have a perfect interval, those are the ones that sound the most pleasing to the human ear. Um, and the, the, along with the major ones. So perfect and major ones are the ones we're going to talk about the most. So let's talk about... Also, by the way... A lot of people have asked me, oh, can you point out, like, oh, the the key signatures and, like, keys and blah, 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 blah. And let me tell you why that isn't that important. Sometimes it is. Sometimes the key can be important. But the point of this podcast is to show the tools that John Williams uses to make us feel a certain way. And what a key is, is literally just a way to notate um, that's easier for both the composer and it's easier to read as a musician. So, for instance, if you're in C major, which is the easiest key because it has no sharps or flats, um, you know, you've just got your, basically your white keys on a keyboard. That's C major. Then if you want to start incorporating things, you know, like the black keys, like let's say you want to incorporate C sharp and F sharp, um, the, they're harder to... Um, if you have, if you're looking at a piece of music and you just have a bunch of stuff, like if you have all your notes and every time there's a C sharp or an F sharp, you have a sharp there, it makes it really hard to read. So what they do is they just make that key with the two sharps and they say, okay, now you know in this whole piece, all of the C's and all of the F's are sharp. So it's really just a notation mm. thing and it makes it easier for a composer and for, um, the musician and then you can break out of that key and do naturals and sharps and flats and that's why uh the imperial theme has you mentioned before has all those accidentals and blah blah and that's what makes it such a complex piece is because it's breaking in and out of that key so quickly right and so the key doesn't matter you know it really the intervals matter because you can have the exact same uh piece in a different key and it's the same interval, so you're going to get the same melody. It's just going to be higher or lower. And so it doesn't really matter. You know, there are there are reasons for you to change the key so that, like, the keys will flow together. But those don't really matter so much. So we're talking specifically about intervals and, like, the distance between notes, which form, you know, exact melodies. So um, 
in the main theme, let me play it again for you just real quick, just the beginning here. That's the section we're going to focus the most on, this da-da-da-dum, dum, da-da-da-da. Okay, that's what we're focusing on. So the intervals that are used here are all perfect intervals. Okay, so these are the notes that we're using here. So we're focusing on... He is alternating between these. So this, uh, from here to here, is a perfect fifth. Okay, and then we're going up to the octave, which is a perfect fourth from the fifth. Okay, and we're focusing on those specific intervals. Now, all the music in between, those are just passing tones. So when we've got, um, why am I doing it in this key? So I'm gonna just do it in an easier key. Uh, so this is in C major. So you've got, you know, and then these tones here, those are just passing tones. They don't really matter. And then we're going up to the octave. So we're really just doing this. So that's, those that's are, familiar. Yeah. So those are our main ones. Now, uh, let's look at other pieces of music that use these exact same intervals to create that heroic and adventurous sound. Please tell me that 2001 A Space Odyssey is one of them because you just did it. Ugh, please don't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm sorry, the 1810 Overture. It's not the 1810. Oh my god. Oh no. No, oh, stop. No. Oh my god. It's Strauss, first of all. You uncultured swine. <laughs> I love movies. It's Strauss, and it's titled also Spock Zarathustra. Okay? This was composed in 1896, and yes... Most of you will recognize it from 2001 Space Odyssey. Okay, 
So we've got the same notes. Isn't that fantastic? Um, and the same with, with this. Hear this instrumentation. We've got drums and brass. Listen again. By the way, that there is also a fourth, a perfect fourth. So, and you'll hear that in so much classical. I mean, you could list a thousand pieces where at the end or the beginning, especially the end, they're doing this. Everything's just going crazy. Everyone's starts clapping. Wow. People are taking their shirts off. How many classical music concerts have you been to? No, not many. I didn't think so. Okay, so so that's one example of where we're using the exact same intervals. Yes, it's in a different key, but you're doing the exact same thing. So in, you know, also Spock's Zarathustra, you've got... And then Star Wars. You know, you, you got the same <clears throat> intervals. And they're focusing... On those intervals and those intervals are the reason that they make us feel that way i mean we have heard and been trained to listen to music with these intervals and think oh that's adventurous that's exciting you know those leaps are great they're they're, they're really fun and exciting and when you're using um you know different intervals you're going to get different feelings so let's listen to another one that uses the similar um stuff so this is fanfare for the common man uh, by aaron copeland So there we've got this, uh, <clears throat> these intervals here, which is a perfect fourth, a perfect fifth, and an octave. So it just flips them. But you're using the same ones and you get the same feeling, this like, oh, man, adventurous, exciting. Yeah. Think about when you've seen that in movies. It's always during the, a heroic scene, adventurous scene, waking the guy waking up right before the Olympics, kind of getting excited. Yeah, music. exactly, exactly. <clears throat> um, also, this, uh, we can cut it out if it's too annoying, but real quick, I want to show you <laughs> this random piece I found by Sasson. Um, it's in his Requiem. This was written in 1878. Um, and it sounds a lot like also Spock's Zarathustra, but it's like really um, intense because it's a DSE ray and it's got like organ. So uh, let me just play this for you and uh, you should check it out if you're interested in that kind of music because it's really great. It's some real intense organ. It is.
I think I found my new alarm tone. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it so much. It's so good, and it's really powerful, obviously. And it's so funny because um, Camille Sassan, for those of you who don't know, sorry, little history lesson. I, I gotta educate. Camille Sassan was uh, obviously a really good composer, but he also was a very good organist. So he has written some of the best organ stuff. Um, for instance, his literal organ symphony. I believe it's Symphony Number no. Three. But you should check him out if you don't know him. He wrote he wrote like Carnival of the Animals. He did. Um, Dance Macabre. I don't know if you know Dance Macabre. It's one of my favorite things. Anyway, he writes really beautiful music. But um, but that piece I just played for you was his Requiem, so Mesa de Requiem, Opus 54, um, written in 1878. So you should check it out if you're interested. He's a really great composer, and he's amazing. And he wrote some of the best organ stuff ever. His organ symphony, um, symphony number three, is like one of the greatest things ever written so check it out you can't just listen to john williams everyone you gotta widen your horizons okay uh (laughs) so let's move on so that's the main theme uh let's talk about the very end here of this main theme which has a special treat for all of us a little hidden gem oh a hidden gem yeah it's a hidden gem Oh, does that sound familiar to anyone? To the seasoned listener. <laughs> so that little flute, the um, that flute cue has only been used once before this. One time. Um, and it is used in episode, a new, four. episode four, A New Hope. It's uh, the only time you ever hear it. Let me play that for you. This is the one um, from New Hope. <clears throat> By the way, a fun little... If you're trying to waste a little time in the car is to listen to all of the main titles back to back to back and hear how one incredibly the same they are but also how they've evolved over the years and how very minor um changes in our ears and and as listeners they he's like uh yeah orchestration just like quality of recording <laughs> it just gets better and better yeah really interesting to, to hear that out awesome okay so here's the um the flute cue from f- four Okay, so that's only been used those two times. So why do you think that he has brought that back? I have no idea. Let me tell you my theory. (laughs) So this movie is basically an homage to our original, like, trilogy guys, right? We've got Luke for the first time saying a line <laughs> anyway <laughs> um since then we've got you know leia's a huge major part of this movie you know even though han's not there he's got you know the, his feeling is there and then you've got you know really the feeling of obi-wan kenobi in you know how um luke is acting and and being kind of a recluse so you're really this movie is an homage to those characters especially luke and leia and <clears throat> that that little flute is you know, in A New Hope, and I feel like he's bringing it back the same way he brings back, you know, Leia's theme and the binary sunset to say goodbye to it. You know, this is the end of an era. We are not going to have Leia anymore, you know, no matter how much we might want to have her in the next movie. 
they're they're gonna have to get rid of her she's not gonna be there we're not gonna have a corporal luke anymore we don't have luke we don't have han we'll probably have some chewy which is ooh, nice ooh, and 3po <laughs> and 3po because he'll never die <laughs> <laughs> but this is a saying goodbye to that to that cast to that movie and i think that that's why he uses it i think it's literally just an homage to hey these characters are great remember them from four this is the ending for them. Like, this is the last that we'll see yeah, of them. Yeah, I like that. And even if it's not so uh, apparent, even if he's not being so surface, he he's... Uh, I like the idea that he is using, like, what you said composing is doing in the first place is putting you in a headspace that he wants to put you in. And he's immediately starting you off, um, hey, remember episode four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Even if you don't remember that that's the only time that's been used, you have this sense of, oh, because mm-hmm. everyone knows that. But it, I, I had assumed, actually, that it was in each and every one. I thought that's how they all ended. And my fr- our friend Keith, who actually um, did a bunch of additional um, research for this podcast, um, pointed out to me, like, oh, hey, did you notice he used the flute cue from four? And I was like, what do you mean? That's in all of them. And then he rightfully pointed out that, no, it is not. It is only in episode four. So pretty awesome. I I love that he uses it. I think it's a great homage. Um, Let's take a quick uh, break before we get into escape, now that we're done with the main theme. Um, And I want to do my composer wars. Composer wars. That was good. It was different than last time, but, you know, I think it's improving. I'm going to be honest. I forgot what I did last time. (laughs) It's been that long, eh? (laughs) Um, So today, what I'm going to do is instead of showing clips of both John Williams and another composer and having Matt stress out and uh, try and figure out which is which, I'll be a little less shifty today. And I'm just going to do a little bit of a segment on a, a different composer that clearly influenced John Williams' work in Star Wars. So today we're going to talk about Max Steiner for a minute. Um, Max Steiner, for those of you who do not know, is basically the father of film music. He's one of the first composers to ever write music for films, um, along with like Korngold and Rosa and Hermann, 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 I don't know, whoever did Psycho. Um, So those guys are like the fathers of film music. Um, Max Steiner was a child prodigy. He was a full-time professional by 15. He was composing, arranging, conducting at 15 years old. He's a very talented man. Um, we Let me play a little bit of the stuff. For you. If you don't know him, one, you need to get to know him. What are you doing? And two, he did all the big stuff like Gone with the Wind. He did Casablanca. He did King Kong, which is like iconic. So let me play a couple of those for you. So here's a little bit of King Kong by Max Steiner. This was written in 1933. So really, really similar instrumentation that John Williams uses. A lot of great brass, a lot of great strings, a lot of great timpani and, and uh, you know. Yeah, and I hear a story in there already. I, I can already feel King Kong happening. Yeah, it's amazing. You're immediately transported like, oh, stuff's going here down. Here we go, we're in the jungle. Yeah, so and then let's listen to a little bit of Casablanca here. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, similar, really like fun, really, you know, good instrumentation. Um, Here's Gone with the Wind, which is one of my absolutely all-time favorite film soundtracks. Isn't this on like four VHS? That's how long this movie is? <laughs> you have to buy it in oh a four-pack? Oh my gosh, pack? I watched it for the first time actually a couple years ago, and I thought I was going to die. It was so long. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's a classic for a reason, but like, screw how long that movie is. It's so long. There's no reason a movie needs to be that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it does. It's and, one of the oh best my God, ever written, Scarlet right? is such a whiner. Okay, I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, here's Gone with the Wind's music. just make you want to like make out with someone it makes you want to cuddle up with a loved one (laughs) fun fact my great-grandparents went on their first date to see this wow and they held hands and my grandpa told me all about it and he said his hand was so sweaty probably because the movie's (gasps) 10 hours long yeah (laughs) he was dehydrated but let me tell you something if it was 1939 and you took me to see this movie and you held my hand through the whole thing let me tell you what, I would have definitely fallen in love with you. You would have had a really sweaty hand. He, what he said was, I didn't want to let go of her hand because I thought she'd never let me hold it again. Oh my God. He's so cute. And I, they're probably all like dressed up to the nines because it's the 1930s. And they... I, love, I love them. I miss them a lot. Anyway, fun background history of my life. <laughs> so let's get into Escape. Listen to more Max Steiner. He's really good. All right, so Escape. Here's where it starts. Let's listen to it through a little bit, and I'm going to kind of walk you through what's going on, um, and I'll just kind of do like an over-the-top commentary. So here we go. And obviously, again, I can't stress this enough. This is not what is in the movie. The movie has a very different cut of things, but I did listen to the, um, the cut that's in the film as far as like the... I, I listened to the For Your Consideration ones. I don't know if you guys know about that, but basically whenever a movie is putting up anything for like Oscar nominations or awards nominations, they put a more full version of the soundtrack um, on the internet. It's out there. You can look at it. Having listened to it, obviously there's a lot of stuff that gets cut, but to be honest with you, the stuff that they released is a better cut of the soundtrack. Because this was done in a way, like Matt was saying earlier, where they were kind of editing as they went, to be honest with you, sometimes it's just not as great of a like full piece because they are taking p- bits here and bits there and chopping it up a little bit. But the actual um, release tracks are, are a better like full piece of music. It doesn't tell the whole story, of course. Like, for instance, in this, there's a lot of good like Poe stuff that gets cut out. We don't hear Poe's theme at all in this version of the track, which is sad because I love Poe's theme. For those of you who don't know what Poe's theme is, it's this one. It's, um, 
you hear that uh, the second you see him on screen, I think, in the movie, right? He pretty shows much, up yeah. on screen and he's talking to BB and you hear it pretty quietly, but it's to say, Poe's here, ba-bum. Yeah, exactly. And Poe's theme is a really great theme. It's really heroic, but we don't hear it in this version. So let's listen to Escape and I'll walk you through it. Okay, starting off right away, we've got um, Empire stuff. So we're hearing the drums specifically and the brass together are how you can tell that it's the Empire stuff. Obviously here, we have our First Order slash Kylo A theme, really aggressive. Everyone's showing up, hoo, 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 all yeah. the big ships. Yeah, we got, you know, our bad guys. This is showing Hux, you know, Hux is on the bridge. You got a little variation of Kylo's C theme we've talked about before. Very menacing. Now, here. Rebel fanfare! Hey, look at that. <clears throat> and this is when they're, you know, going after the surface cannons. And you really the the time that the rebel fanfare plays the most is when you see BB-8 on screen. Actually. Interesting. Yeah. He is quite a rebel. Yes. Okay, and here we've got our resistance theme starting to come in. Okay, so we're going back and forth between the Empire, sorry, First Order, <laughs> First Order, and our uh, resistance. Mystery in there. It's just a fun little, little fanfare. I love that little fanfare. This is new. It seems like the time signatures are just all over the place. Oh yeah, that's just true of all film scores. Really. It's it's really uh it's difficult music to play. Okay, this here. This rhythm is really similar to something we hear later. I'll actually uh, pause this for a moment. So that rhythm that we just listened to, that I believe is playing when BB-8 is uh, fixing the ship. And again, like I, was, like I said before, whenever BB-8 is doing stuff, you get a lot of re like rebel stuff. And that is a very similar t um, rhythm to this one. It's originally from the track TIE Fighter Attack in New Hope. So let me play... A clip of that for you. This is actually from later in eight um, during the Battle of Crate, but it's the same thing. And I'm sure we have many more words to spill on the this particular theme, the X-wing Tie Fighter. Or X oh yeah, the Tie Fighter Chase. Okay, 
Okay, so that's a very similar rhythm to the one we were just listening to here. I'll go back and play it. He's using this rhythm and the similarities of the rhythm um, and music to get you feeling like it's the rebellion. You know, you're you're feeling that. Oh, you know what else it sounds exactly like? Uh, the rhythm is the episode seven, um, to, oh my gosh, the Millennium Falcon theme in episode seven. Here, we'll play it right now. Because you're right, it is extremely similar. It's super similar. So he's using that. That's almost always used when there's a chase happening. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it is only used when there's a chase happening. The and that's fiber that binds here. all those things is space battle. Yeah. Space battle being attacked by TIE fighters, especially like you're, if you've got someone chasing you, you've probably got that rhythm going on. So that's how he uses that rhythm to make us feel that way. It's very driving. Dun, 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 dun. It's very like, whoo, what's happening? It's exciting. So he's using rhythm there um, to, you know, actually drive it. Um, now let's keep going, listening to this. Mm, here's we got we got the bombers showing up, trying to, you know, get rid of this dreadnought. Very uh, resistancey. Now this right here. Okay, so that plays multiple times in the film, and it's always when something of the rebellions is blowing up. <laughs> or, sorry, <laughs> the resistance. So uh, we can pretty much. Which use means you get to hear it anyway. a lot in this movie. You do hear it a lot, but basically, so this is when like the first bombers are like blowing up, like multiples of them are blowing up, and it's this like, oh my gosh, it is this fanfare. It's um, there's actually a really great guide you can find on the internet. Um, where someone has already taken all of these motifs and he like categorizes them. I'll um, I'll link it um, on our on in the description. Our, yeah, because it's really really been helpful for my work because I was gonna do it myself because there wasn't anything out like that out there and then I found it and I got went oh my god thank thank you for this man who already like wrote out these main themes and categorized what they are. So he categorizes this as like the catastrophe theme because that's what it is exactly right. When there is really bad stuff happening to the the resistance, this theme is you know this little fanfare plays. So here I'll play it. Okay, 
And here we have um, Rose's sister, Paige, and she's like, oh, crap, I'm the last one. This is her, I call it her, oh, no, face. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. (laughs) Um, So then we've got her. She's trying to literally save, you know, make all those deaths meaningful (laughs) by actually taking out this dreadnought. Oof. Okay. She just fell, didn't she? She fell. She's on the ground, and she sees it up there. It's beeping. She's got to get it down. So, she starts kicking it. This is where she's trying to, you know, save the day. Okay, listen to this. This is really important. Okay. Those last three notes. I want to talk about those last three notes and why they're important and why John Williams is a literal genius, and we'll talk all about it. So so this is right before that Battle of the Heroes starts, and we talked about that in previous episodes, but um, this is the last three notes of that are just this. So let me play it for you. Okay, that's what we're hearing, that final three notes, that really, really important, like, final three notes. Now, let me tell you how that is related to Rose's theme. To who? (laughs) To her sister. Her sister. So, that's, you know, I, every time I heard this, I said, there's a connection. There's There's a connection to Rose's theme there. I don't know what it is, but once I write it out and I can analyze it, I'll tell you. So, I did exactly that. I took Rose's theme, I wrote it out, and I transposed it so that it could be in the same key. So, let me play Rose's theme for you. Okay, so the, like I said, this last three notes were here. And here we have Rose's. Okay, so he's got these, that's the height. So when you're looking at Rose's theme on an actual staff of music, you've got, you know, your, your climax of the actual tune. The, just the melody of her theme. So you're always looking for the highest note for the climax, typically. And that, that, that right there is the peak of her theme. So the peak of her theme is this. Okay, the highest note there is this A. Which is also the highest note of this sad moment with Paige. So let's go, we'll have you listen to it again. Here. Okay, that is, that is the highest note of that as well, this A. So, they're the same three notes, the exact intervals, so we know that it's clearly related. 
it's this beautiful moment. This he's literally just paying homage to Rose's theme because it's their sister. Well, even even more than that, I would say John Williams is trying to tell us that she is thinking about her sister in that moment. She's thinking, "I've got to save more than the resistance. I need to save my sister." Yeah. So I just thought that was cool because every time I listen to that, I think. That's related to Rose's theme somehow. How is it related to Rose's theme? And so I figured it out. So there we go. It's exciting. So let's move on so that, you know, you guys aren't bored out of your freaking minds. Um, Come on. (laughs) And also, oh, when I was transposing Rose's theme, (laughs) so I did it and I forgot to put the F sharp in when I transposed it. And when I did that, guess how it sounded? I'm going to play you. I'm going to play you Rose's theme without uh, the F sharp. Yeah, it's the exact same as the force theme. Listen to this. It's almost exactly the same. Man, that's close. This is Rose's theme again with with the proper sharps. And this is without the sharps. You just change literally the um, rhythm. So does that mean that Rose is Kylo Ren? <laughs> confirmed. confirmed. Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was fun. I've never seen them in the same room. I, I it's just a, it's a good theme and there's a reason that it reminds you of Star Wars. It's because it's got a lot of Star Wars in it. It's got those same intervals as the Force theme with the exception of just making it major instead of minor. Yeah. So Rose's theme is very strongly connected to Star Wars. Majorly intertwined. Pretty cool. Anyway, let's keep listening um and we'll uh finish this up. <laughs> Obviously, Battle of the Heroes. We've already talked about this. If you haven't uh, heard our previous episodes, this explains it pretty well. Um, So go back and listen to that. But this is Battle of the Heroes from 3. With some minor adjustments, of course. Well, they beat the Dreadnought, but at, at what, what cost? <laughs> and here we have the Force theme. Just real quick, right at the end there. Alright, so, that was main title and escape. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> I know you can't ask them now, but feel free to <laughs> <Let me laughs> email you. a comment. Oh, me? Yeah. No. Cool. <laughs> if there's anything that you feel like, you know, you wanted me to dive into a little more, just let me know. Uh, we have a really good email that is rarely used. 
<laughs> by anyone, but it's uh, luminous.music.podcast at gmail.com. So seriously, we really don't mind. Um, and if you ever want to send in a question, I'm sure we could start like a question segment where we answer your questions on the podcast um, so that everyone can, you know, hear them. Um, but yeah, if there's something that you want to know more about, let me know. I mean, I have a lot more music theory in my back pocket, but I don't want to lose people. <laughs> and I'm happy to dive into stuff, but I want to do it, you know, a little bit more slowly. I, I don't want to lose you. So let me know if there's something you want to talk about. Uh, let's finish it up with uh, Speculate Wildly! Oh, are we ready for that already? Yep. All right. Well, here is my speculation of the day. Okay. Let's hear it. Of the main three droids in the Star Wars universe, BB-8, C-3PO, and uh, R2-D2, R2-D2. Mm-hmm. who does John Williams like the most who is his like just, favorite droid he he just likes it like he just whichever one he likes the what, best how about this which one would he most likely have a life-size version of in his apartment <laughs> slash mansion okay yeah yeah i like that so he okay let's look at it from a music standpoint so c3po always has the dopiest music yeah the bassoon yeah he's just like He's a dork. I think that that comes across. I think that R2-D2 always has some pretty triumphant and heroic music, but I would say that the one who gets the most triumphant music is BB-8, especially in this film alone. He yeah. gets, all, like, most of the Rebel fanfares. He's, like, well, he's super cute, obviously. I personally would rather have a BB-8 rolling around my house. I definitely don't want to see 3PO. Oh, God. And he's, like, just second-guessing you all the time. He's, like, watching you cook and saying, oh, be careful about that knife. There's a one in one million chance that you'll cut your finger off. And you're like, shut up. No one cares. <laughs> Don't uh, do my laundry. I feel like it's a tie. He'd either have an R2-D2 or he'd have a BB-8. Yeah, I think maybe he used to have an R2 and then he upgraded to a BB-8. I feel like R2-D2 is a little jazzier in his beeps, so maybe he'd have an R2-D2. Oh, man, you sold me. He is a little more. He's a little more uh, saucy too. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's pretty sassy, and he's got wisdom, you know, just mm. like Johnny Baby. He's got that wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen some things, man. Or maybe he just has instead of an alarm clock, he has a, a robot that goes uba uba. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day, and uh, thanks again to Keith Silva who helped us with some additional um, research. And uh, also, thank you to Dallin Nelson, who did, who does our opening theme music. And of course, thanks for being with me, Matt. Thanks for being with me, Corinne. <laughs> All right, thanks, you guys. You guys have a great day, and uh, listen to more music. <laughs> <laughs>